everybody. Welcome back. It's been a while. I'm Jacob Ayer, and alongside me are Jake McGrail, Corey Branson, Nico Roselli, Ryan Alfonso, so many names. Chooks might come. We'll see if he shows up. Uh, Claire Eccles, Alan and Byron Wang of CITR Sports, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the unseated grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to CI or to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Always keeping you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories. Last week, well, we had a new voice on air. You may have noticed the voice is one of a baseball and softball player. Yes, you heard that right. Who is this mystery person? Well, they're an ex-Thunderbird athlete. She's a natural leader and barrier breaker. Folks, it's no one else besides the one, the only, Claire Alk. Claire Eccles, welcome to the show. <laughs> Not Claire Eccles, Claire Eccles. Um, thank you for being here and showing us your expertise in both baseball and softball. I know I know you don't want to introduce yourself, but I'm going to have you tell the world a fun fact about yourself. Here's your moment. Okay, well, I will say that a big part of the reason that I'm here is because last year Jacob did interview me, so... Yeah, that's... That's your fun fact. Yes, that's why I'm here. Yeah, that's true. Okay, well, we uh, we coerced her, basically, <laughs> to become part of Thunderbird Eye, but we're happy to have you here with us, Claire. In the world of Thunderbird sports, there was a lot going on. A lot, a lot. Um, probably one of the busiest weekends outside of this, that, like, late October weekend. They're, they're neck and neck, though. It was the end of the Canada West winter sports season, and the Thunderbirds came away with some hardware to show for their very valiant efforts. It was a, well, for men's hockey, at times improbable, pretty magical, and mostly unbelievable run for that team. They were a fifth seed, and they finally ran out of steam in the Canada West Finals against the Saskatchewan Huskies, but with a different outcome. It was the third-place UBC men's basketball team who stared Goliath in the face, cocked back their stone, released, and took down the Titan. That being the 19-1 Alberta Golden Pandas. Yes, Golden Pandas, not Golden Bears. We support equality here. Change your name already, <laughs> Alberta. Please. It was a 72-70 to 70 thriller on the road. They had three victories on the road in playoffs because stupid seeding in Canada West playoffs. Jacob's back with his hot takes. But we, we saw a win. Can we get a round of applause for men's basketball? <laughs> Amazing. Elsewhere, non-playoff action. UBC Sporting World saw well this was playoffs but it didn't <laughs> it didn't turn out well men's volleyball fell short and they will no longer be able to even play in U sports as their quest for the cup is over that was a semifinals defeat to Alberta as well Jake you were wrong we'll we'll touch on that prediction <laughs> later late later later what a surprise yeah. wow. men men's rugby though they claimed a world cup title it wasn't in the playoffs but they were able to beat Cal Berkeley in an aggregate score that was exciting. Seventh straight victory for them. Women's rugby sevens grabbed the second place behind those pesky Vikes. Corey, damn you. <laughs> and baseball swept Oregon Tech. And softball had a walk-off grand slam. Can you believe that? Who was announcing that game? The one, the only Claire Eccles. That's right. <laughs> She's the insider with the scoop. We'll touch on that later. Track and field was in Seattle. And rounding things out was golf. Corey, I believe we have some live results. We'll get back. Yeah, later. we'll have some live updates. Great. They're in Sacramento, though, yeah? Yes, both teams in Sacramento. Okay, well, we'll start off with the great news. Men's, basketball, men's basketball are champions. Yep, Jacob, you are on fire right now, missing a couple <laughs> weeks coming back. Just a lot. You would just want to 
talk about everything yeah. to start us off. Might as well. And the best news, 10th time ever, first time since 2013, UBC men's basketball are Canada West champions. They pulled it out against that number one seed, Alberta, as Jacob mentioned, 72-70. to 70, All three road wins in the playoffs. The Thunderbirds came out in the gate hot and led 24-10 to 10 after the first quarter. They held that lead all the way until late until late into the fourth quarter when the Golden Pandas took a 67-66 lead with just three minutes left. At that point, UBC rallied, locked down on defense the rest of the way. Manroop Clare, who scored 19 points in the game, put the Thunderbirds back in front with a three-pointer with a minute and 31 seconds left. And that was the last bucket of the game as Alberta missed their last four shots. Choke City. Choke City, big time. <laughs> Jaden Coey came through with 24 points and five assists. Both of those were game highs. Meanwhile, playing the entire game. And Grant Shepard double-doubled with 11 points and 10 boards. And this weekend, the Thunderbirds will enter the National Championship Tournament for the second straight year and are looking for their first national title since 1972. Woo! We're <laughs> they, trying to break records out here. <laughs> they haven't finished higher than fifth since 2010, so things should look interesting. Yeah, they are the third seed coming into the tournament. Obviously got a big boost from winning the conference championship. They will take on the Bishop's Gators, and that's not gators as in the animal, but gators as in a piece of leather that covers part of your leg and ankle worn by bishops back in the 19th century. Good job, bishops, for being really lame. Deep Uh, dive from Jake there. (laughs) Yeah, deep dive into Wikipedia. (laughs) They'll play them in the quarterfinals, not on Thursday. It will be on Friday. Thunderbirds, they've only ever played Bishops twice, both preseason games, most recently in 2017. UBC won both meetings. And two more interesting notes about the the National Championship Tournament. It will be streamed for free on CBC. Big time. Yeah, the CBC Sports website or the CBC Sports app. And the same goes for the Hockey National Championship Tournament. So everyone can tune in to see... UBC play, and also if UBC wins in the quarterfinals, they might match up in the semifinals against the second seed, Dalhousie. Ooh. (laughs) Call back, call back to last year. We'll see if UBC can get their revenge. Conspiracy theories (laughs) on high alert. (laughs) And now we will move on into the world of hockey. The Cinderella run for the UBC men's ice hockey team has come to an unfortunate end. The men had a date with the Saskatchewan Huskies over the weekend, with the winner of the series claiming the Canada West title. The Thunderbirds showed great resilience in enemy territory, but fell short, losing Game 1 by a final score of 3-2, to two, and Game 2 by a final of 3-1. to one. The Thunderbirds never held a lead in Game 1. They were outshot on the night by a margin of 31-23, to 23, including a 14-2 to two advantage in the first period for the Huskies, who scored once in each period. After jumping out to a 2-0 lead, Jake Kriske managed to get the Birds back within one. But Lane Young's first goal of the playoffs restored the two-goal advantage just four minutes into the third period. The game did get interesting towards the end of the third period when UBC pulled goalie Rylan Thought for an extra... Um, for an extra attacker with three Thought? minutes. Yeah, I messed that up. He's no thought. He's definitely Ryan Tall. Uh, which is, which is, which is kind of why I stumbled for a second when I said that. Ouch. Hey, it's um, okay. Yes. There's, for an extra attacker. I, I used to butcher all the French Ooh. names. I've been made fun of plenty of times. It's okay. Ryland might be a thought. We don't know. We'll have to ask Oh him. my God. We'll have to get him in the you. studio for an interview. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't kill me. I'm small. Um, <laughs> pulled her. For an extra tackle with three minutes left to play. 
Maxwell James managed to find the back of the net with 32 seconds left. Again, bringing the birds back into the game. Yeah, right at the end of this one, though, following face-off, Toth attempted to get back to the bench again for the extra attacker. Sort of a weird situation. He got caught up along the boards and was called for boarding. Uh, that's a very rare minor penalty for goalies, if you weren't aware. Uh, but that effectively ended any hope for a UBC win. Did, did anyone see it? Did anyone see how that actually happened? Because I, I'm just confused in what situation a goalie would go up, board someone, and, like like... Maybe he was angry. Maybe it's because team, maybe it's because he's a thought. We don't <laughs> know. Sorry. We don't know. I'm sorry. We don't know. <laughs> what what makes it even weirder is the fact that this all happened right when UBC scored a goal to bring it back within one with less than a minute left to play. Right. So I don't think Ryland's going out there looking to board somebody no. and get called for but it. How do you accidentally board someone as a goal? That's my question. That, uh, that, a bit of a mystery to me. I don't know exactly what to make of it, but it is what it is. We'll look into it for next week. <laughs> we will look into it. Moving on to Game 2, though. Game 2 closely resembled Game 1 in a sense that the Huskies used the first period to propel themselves to the win. The Huskies outshot UBC 15-9 to in the first and scored twice within five minutes before potting one more goal in the second for a 3-0 lead heading into the third. Yeah, UBC took an incredible 16 penalties, resulting in 56 total penalty minutes and two power play goals for the Huskies. Levi Cable, it's not what you want to do in the championship deciding game. Their lone goal came from Kreisky when he scored on a power play of UBC's own with less than five minutes left. It was his seventh point of the playoffs, which led all of Canada West. And I've said it before, but shout out Kreisky holding it down for all the Jakes out there. (laughs) (laughs) And UBC will now compete for the University Cup for the first time since 1977 and will either play on March 11th or 12th in Halifax, depending on what happens in the OUA conference playoffs. Best of luck to the men at Nationals. The Cinderella of story something to follow very interesting do we have a prediction do we have a statistical prediction maybe from nico the hockey guy let's nothing nothing come on nico you gotta say something nico i will say that i wish the men nothing but the best but my own superstitious beliefs not really prediction (laughs) my own superstitious beliefs prevent me from making any calls ahead of their next big couple of games okay fair enough stay tuned for next week's show when i will be making a guarantee (laughs) about the men's hockey national championship run guarantee 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 okay for volleyball with the women's volleyball team out of the running it was up to our men's side to bring home the victory for thunder for the thunderbirds but sadly we came up short this past weekend, losing two matches to one to the University of Alberta's Golden Pandas on their home ground. I believe. Oh, okay. My bad. This puts an end to the men's season. However, not all bad news as some of the UBC volleyball players made it onto the Canada West All-Star teams, which we'll talk about more at the end of the recap. If you were confused, they are just the pandas, but we call them the Golden Pandas here. Okay. If it was about the no, name. No, but wasn't it, isn't that Golden Bears? Isn't the Golden Bears the They're pandas? the Golden Bears, and then they're the pandas, but we don't support... <laughs> their different naming of the men's and women's teams. We think it's weird. Kind of sexist in a weird... I Like, oh, they can't be golden bears. They're women. Like, what? Why? Yeah, why I, would I, you, I don't think it's sexist. I just think it's unnecessarily it's confusing. Unnecessary. It's confusing. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Even the Winnipeg Westmen, they call the women's team the Westmen, too. Right? Like, they, they've managed that, so I don't know why I, I would Alberta just keep it one names. name. Yeah. Anyways, besides the point, they're still the golden pandas in my mind. Although it may seem like UBC started terribly with the first match score of 3-0 for the Golden Pandas, the games were actually extremely close with all three sets decided by a score 
of 25-23 in set count. Yeah, that's quite tight. The Thunderbirds had a hitting percentage of 241, only beat by a difference of 0-1-3 by the Golden Bears. The Thunderbirds had more kills and tied the Bears in aces. It was their 18 service errors that they made that cost them. An old friend for the uh, volleyball team, something that came up at the wrong time for them. <laughs> service, they, service aces, yeah. It, it's hurt them a bit all season. It's really yeah. the one true love of the men's volleyball team. Uh, Michael DeHanyak, Colton Liu, they both had nine kills, though they combined for 11 service errors. Matt Neves, unfortunately, had perhaps his worst ever offensive performance as a member of, of the Thunderbirds. He had just five kills and a negative 105 hitting percentage, both of those career lows. Not the best time to have that happen. Match two was another close fight, and after losing the first two sets, the Thunderbirds won three straight to stay alive in the series. Alberta hit 382 compared to 317 for UBC, but 11 aces helped tip the scales in UBC's favor. Liu and Neves both recorded 15 kills, three aces, and one block, and Ben Hooker had 48 assists. This time it was Alberta who really struggled at the service line, with four aces and 15 service errors. Sadly, while match three saw 15 kills on a 357 hitting percentage from Dalhaniuk, the Thunderbirds lost 3-1. to one. They started off strong with a 25-17 to 17 win in the first set, but the Golden Pandas reeled off three straight wins. The Thunderbirds were without both Gerard Murray... The legend. Love his... He had facial hair. Did he get rid of that? Is that El Tigre? Yes, that's El Tigre. That's El Tigre. Of course it's El Tigre. (laughs) Great mustache, great flow. Uh, But he wasn't playing. Jonathan Lee, my personal favorite 40-inch vert guy, uh, with Harrison Byrne and Tyson Smith starting their places. Harrison Byrne does not get a lot of playtime. Keep this in mind. Like, none this season, actually. Uh, Byrne did well, though, defensively. In the match with six blocks, he had just one kill. Defense did dip overall a bit without Lee as the Thunderbirds had a series low 21 digs. Now for some good news. My God, my throat. (coughs) (coughs) Gabriel Otea and Matt Neves were named Women's and Men's Canada West First Team All-Stars. Woohoo! Oh my God. Otea deserved that. I mean, she filled in for Van Rijk. Not an easy task. Well, also, Michael Dohaniak was named to the Canada West second team, and Erica Vermette was made the Women's Canada West All has made the Women's Canada West All Rookie Team. Congratulations, everyone! Hooray! All right, and moving on to the track, the UBC track and field team competed this past Saturday at the Seattle Pacific Final Qualifier. Their first meet of the year was in the beginning of February, a few weeks earlier, so it's still fairly early on in the season. Nevertheless, the T-Birds went and performed well against the other schools, with a few names standing out. Yeah, there were two golds for UBC athletes. Thomas Broach was first in the men's one-mile run, time of 4 minutes, 14.83 seconds, just half a second ahead of second place, while Trinity Hansma won the women's high jump, clearing 1.68 meters, 0.05 meters higher than the next best jumper. Hasi Fashina Bombada had a good meet, quite the name as well. She placed second in the women's 60-meter hurdles and then fourth in the 60-meter dash, finishing less than 0.3 seconds behind the leader in both of those races. And Alex Pesatelli narrowly missed out on a gold in the men's 200-meter dash, finishing at 22.15 seconds, 0.05 seconds behind the winner. And Michaela Tinkham also finished a close second place in the women's 3,000-meter at 940.91, two seconds back of the winner. Finally, two Thunderbirds made the top four in the women's long jump. Emma Rastad jumped 541. Uh, 0.33 meters back of the winner and good for second place while Rebecca Duchak was fourth at 5.1 meters. 
Now we are going to take a quick break for ads and PSAs. Then we will come back with some live updates from golf down in the golden state of California. Stay tuned. With actual ads this week. With actual ads. We'll see how this As goes. As opposed to just music. <laughs> CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. Accessibility, disability, mental health, ADHD and ADD, and many, many more topics we explore and cover. But where? On CITR's All Access Pass. A unique and collectively run show on equity, inclusion, and creating awareness for people of all abilities in BC and around the world. Catch us every other Wednesday afternoon from 3 to 4. If you want more info or want to get involved, please find us on Facebook or send us an email at accessibilitycollective at citr.ca. Welcome back to Thunderbird Eye, everybody. Looking at golf now. Both of our golf teams are currently taking their licks against some top-notch NCAA Div 1 opposition down in Sacramento. The women playing in the Gunrock Invitational were in 12th place out of 12 teams at plus 86 through two rounds of action. The men were slightly better. They were in 10th in the Sacramento State Invitational, but that was only out of 10 teams. Uh, They sat at plus 68. Kate Johnston has shot the only round in the 70s for the women so far, a 79 in round one for a plus seven start. Through two rounds, she sat at plus 16 and tied for 35. Besides that, it's not pretty as Esther Lee is next best on the team at plus 25 and tied for 59th. Yeah, on the men's side, both Ethan DeGraff and Ange Wiersba shot second round four over 76s to help improve their positions heading into the final day, which is taking place right now. DeGraff is tied for 30th coming into today at plus 12, while Wiersba was the next best Thunderbird at plus 16, which was tied for 49th. Time for those live updates. Yeah, we do have some live updates here. The tournament has mostly finished now. Just a few players finishing up their third rounds uh, on the men's side. Uh, Looking here, it will be Ethan DeGraff who's finishing top for the Thunderbirds. He's tied for 28th right now. He did move up a couple spots. Uh, Shot just plus one today. Very good round for him, a 73. Um, Keith Ng had a nice round of his own. Shot 70. What years? Do we remember what year Keith Ng is? Is he a rookie? Or is he in second year? I want to say he's in second year, but I don't know off the top of my head. I remember the name from last year. He's definitely not a rookie. Yeah. Uh, Keith Ng, he shot uh, two under rounds, which was really, really nice for him. He moved up 18 spots. He's now tied for 36th. Um, So that's really nice for UBC on the team side for that. And then for the women's, also live updates right now? Yes, we will have some live updates just looking at the team score right now for the men. Uh, UBC still in last place on that side. They are in 10th. Hey, 10 out of 10. That's a perfect score. We'll take that. It is against Um, NCAA Division I, though. So it's, it's tough. Yeah. Right, it's it's like when baseball goes and plays, like, I don't know, OSU. It's like, what do you expect to happen when UBC, good school, takes on, like, the best baseball school? Not going to end very well. Uh, on the women's side, things do not look very, very good. Kate Johnston, as we mentioned, was the top Thunderbird coming into today. Um, she did not have a good round. She shot plus nine, uh, dropped 16 spots. She's now tied for 51st. Uh, Esther Lee had an okay round at plus four, uh, tied for 57th now uh, at plus 29. Uh, Kate Choi, Cecile Kwan, 
and Shania Romanda Ban are also there at the bottom of the leaderboard, but not a so not too pretty. Not a lovely event for uh, the women's team. Out of character a bit, but I mean again, taking into account opponents, etc. Yes. But I mean, usually they're first or second place overall finish, and then they'll have a standout or two per tournament. So yeah. Definitely a wake-up call in a way. Yeah, I think this same thing happened to them last year. It's something that they kind of expect going up against this really top-notch opposition. Uh, Looking at their team score, they're going to finish at plus 112 uh, and also staying in 12th place. All right, so bottom of the barrel for golf right now. Both sides, correct? Because 12 out of 12 and then 10 out of 10? Yeah. Wow. Unfortunate. Definitely not the uh, (laughs) the dynasty that we're kind of used to with this golf sides. But on the other side of things, men's rugby... Well, they're seven-time world champions. How How is this, might you ask? Well, it's in a bit of a particular fashion as the UBC men's rugby team stage a massive comeback on home turf. They defeated the University of California Golden Bears, the definite Golden Bears. They are all Golden Bears. 31-8 to in Sunday's second leg. It's an uh, aggregate of the two games. They won the total score of the series 52-44 to after a first match loss the previous week down in Berkeley, California, and that World Cup I was mentioning, it's what they call the series against Berkeley because they're both pretty elite rugby clubs. So although they took place in a real-world rugby cup and didn't win, they won this one. It's like the the sentimental kind of the pat-on-the-back World Cup, but it's seven straight World Cups. That's what we're going to say on air. That's what you're going to hear at home. It's That's like, what matters. It's like the FIFA Confederations Cup. <laughs> it's an international tournament. Right. Yeah, but... It's all about the naming sometimes. It's yeah. like the marketing, right? They're like, we're seven-time world champions. <laughs> okay, well, Sunday's match marked the 99th edition of the Great Cross-Border Competition, and the Thunderbirds were in tough, needing to overcome a 15-point deficit on aggregate after dropping game one of their home and home series 36 to 21 in California last Saturday. Yeah, they did come back as at halftime UBC was up 17 to 8, although they were stri- trailing still at that point in the aggregate score. They built that lead with tries from hook Connor Sampson and prop Connor O'Flaherty along with two conversions and a penalty kick. In the 56th minute, Nick Allen tumbled across the goal line, goal line to put the T-Birds up 24 to 8 giving them the slim aggregate advantage of Cal. They tacked on another try 13 minutes later, then another penalty kick for good measure, and things wrapped up with a somewhat comfortable lead in the end, 31-8. The T-Birds will bask in the glory of this victory for a couple of weeks before resuming Premier League play with another big match on March 14th when they host rivals Victoria. Corey, (laughs) what's happening? I, I will say nothing. I will say... Who are you supporting? The better team will win. Wow. <laughs> so ambiguous. Victoria... We take that as a hostile comment here in the booth. <laughs> Victoria are reigning Canadian University uh, rugby champions. So we'll have to see what happens there. And then on the women's side of things, UBC women's rugby sevens. So standard rugby is a 15 on 15 format. Sevens is a much quicker paced game. They played their third and final tournament of the season and matched their performance from last year, finishing up as the runners up in Canada West to who else but those damn Vikes. Yeah, UBC did start off the tournament well. They had an explosive 46 to nothing drubbing of Trinity Western. Seven different players scored a try in that one. They kept up the offensive onslaught in their next match, beating Fraser Valley 41 to 7 off of Shoshana Samanatafa's two tries and three converts. 
UBC's third game on Saturday was closer, but the Birds came away with a 27-17 victory over Alberta. Finishing top of their group after day one, it was Kaylee King who led the try count with two, while Samanatafa was 5-for-5 five five on converts. Samanatafa is so good. She can get you at any facet of the game. I think, Claire, we were talking off-air about how... Like, I feel like the men's team is intimidated by how good... She, I think she could literally probably be... Even though there's a huge size disadvantage, I feel like she's so mentally just involved in knowing where to be on the pitch. She can outsmart anyone regardless of gender, size. She's just that elite of a rugby player. Crazy. Yeah, I also know that she's cousins with a girl named Sunny who was on the women's uh, national sevens program for a while but Mm. actually ended up leaving on her own terms Mm. to go to Trinity Western to play um, rather than following her Olympic dream, which is... A but bit tr- of another story, but yeah. So she has rugby in her blood. But why Trinity Western? They're not. They're not good. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she, I think, wanted to grow the program. She's also uh, she uh, pioneer. Yeah, yeah. Pioneer. She wanted to start something else. She felt like that was her mm. calling. Yeah. Good for her. Well, regardless, I'm glad I didn't have to say her name. If I could, <laughs> if I couldn't even say Ryland's last name right, there's no way I had a chance with that one. Anyways, on Sunday. Uh, UBC faced off against the Calgary Dinos in the semi-finals, winning a tight contest 19-12 off of two more tries from King, which led to a match in the final against Victoria, who had beaten UBC in the final of the last series a month ago. And in the final, the Thunderbirds were again unable to stop the Vikes' dominance, losing 29-0 in the last match of the Rugby 7 season. UVic are the overall champions with a record of 15-0 across the three tournaments, while UBC finished second with a record of 10-5. I mean, 15 and nothing. Perfection, and the second place team is 10-5. and It goes to show you how good that Women's 7 Rugby's program is at. Victoria, I mean, it's just next level elite. It's like our swimming, you know, (laughs) foreshadowing. We have a sick interview coming up next week. There may or may not be, there definitely are some Olympians on it. You're going to want to pay attention. It's going to be amazing. We may or may not have two new interviewers taking on the task. It's glorious. There's no other way to put it. Tune in next week for that interview. And before we get into all the good stuff surrounding swimming, we have a little bit of baseball to talk about. And... For us baseball fans here in the studio, the MLB season is less than a month away, so happy times. Mike Trout just had a baby. Oh, did right on. He did or his wife did? <laughs> well, <laughs> depends. I think, I can't actually remember if the baby is born yet, but it was... Oh, it's due later. Is it due later? Claire, Claire probably knows better than me. Um, did you see him hit that golf ball the other day? Yep, that was oh, impressive. Oh my God. He had, it looked like he hit a golf ball 800 yards, which is not physically possible. But anyways... Mike Trout is due. His wife is due. <laughs> Mike Trout is not pregnant. He might be. Some people were saying he's on. Century some people were saying he's on HGH, which is not true. That is a lie. But maybe they were like, what are we doing? What I don't know. There's so many rumors. But he's def- His wife is definitely pregnant. That's what you say. You're like, oh, Mike Trout's pregnant. You know, or he's due. Oh. <laughs> is that what you say? Like when the, when a when the wife he has a child on the way. is a child on the way. Thank you. That's how you say it. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Trout ramblings. Congratulations to Mike Trout on the off chance that he is listening. I did name my fantasy team after. It's going to be a new year. section on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Hot takes regarding the MLB with Jacob. <laughs> Anyways, like I said, the MLB season is. 
fast approaching, but the UBC Thunderbirds, they're already playing, and the Birds played host to the Oregon Tech Owls in Saturday and Sunday's doubleheaders in the Birds' first home series of the regular season. UBC swept the Owls over the weekend with top batting performances all across the board. Game one on Saturday saw the Birds race out to a 5-0 lead just in the first inning, followed up by scoring three more in the second inning. The Thunderbirds dominated the Owls the whole way, winning 10-3 and out-hitting them 15-7. They were led by rookie Cameron Sanderson, who hit 3-4 for four with four other T-Birds playing recording multiple hits. Oh, God, names. UBC pitchers Shane LaForest, Brendan Logan, and Jack Caswell, good job, Ryan, did not allow a single hit in the final three. I like how you just congratulated yourself in third person. <laughs> good job. High five. Let's go. Game two on Saturday was more of a pitcher's duel with UBC's Jared Spearing come out on, coming out on top. The Owls twice took the lead and twice UBC tied it up, leading to extra innings. The first such game for the Thunderbirds this season. It was a walk-off victory in the extra innings for UBC, as with two outs in the bottom of the 10th, Ryan Badel hit a single that brought home Adam Meyer to clinch through 3-2 to two win. Was it the best walk-off of the weekend? Who's no. to say? Claire <laughs> we'll, would know. We'll, we'll get into it. Claire would know. <laughs> game three for baseball on Sunday saw UBC put on another clinic at the plate. Thunderbirds put up five runs in the first inning, then they tacked on two more in the second, so it was seven for the UBC just after two frames, they remained consistent offensively and ended up cruising to an easy 11-4 victory. Game four saw UBC again come out swinging early with three runs scored in the first inning, highlighted by a Meyer double. They eventually won 6-1, completing the sweep. Barry Kane, my 10-year-old Red Sox teammate from back in White Rock, no way. <laughs> got his first start of the season and turned in a strong performance, giving up just one run in seven innings while striking out 11. Who's, be- who's better? <laughs> Barry. He was fast. I remember oh. he, hit, he like hit an inside-the-park home run, and I actually ended up slowing him down because he had almost <laughs> caught up to me. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow, he's super fast. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow, that's next level. And next for the T-Birds is a trip to Oregon to face the Corbin Warriors in a four-game series starting on Friday. The Thunderbirds were 3-4 to four against Corbin last season and 1-2 to two on the road. And the softball girls this weekend started their first conference games of the year against the Northwest Christian University Beacons. Friday saw only one game of the doubleheader completed due to rain, but some late-inning heroics for UBC allowed them to come away with the win. On Saturday, UBC picked back up where they left off with another win in Game 2, but in Game 3, they experienced a bit of a lull at the start, giving up a few too many runs to come back from, ultimately losing 10-8. to Game 1 saw UBC trailing 3-0 to to NCU in the bottom of the 6th inning, which is when UBC finally broke their silence to tie the game up at 3-3. to That set the stage for the heroics mentioned previously, which we were just talking about it. Was that the best walk-off of all time beforehand? <laughs> Uh, baseball might have been topped in this situation by Shelby Kempel, the second-year pitcher. First was pitching at the time, shut down the Beacons in the top of the seventh and final inning on defense. I'll also say that she didn't hit it all last year. The head coach didn't let her. So it's oh. it's pretty great that she's uh, getting her at bats now. The coaching staff been holding her back. Then <laughs> in the what bo- are you doing, coaches? In the bottom half of the inning, Kempel did hit, had the bases loaded and two outs. She hit a grand slam, walk-off grand slam to get the 7-3 to three win for someone who didn't hit it all in her first year on the team and was pitching in the game at the same time. Incredible scenes. That's almost as improbable as Bartolo Colon hitting a home run. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> he, I mean, him getting contact on a ball. I mean, what, was she a good hitter, though? I think so. I think uh, we were down pitchers last year, mm. so there was that fear that she'd somehow injure herself running the bases mm. or something like that. Um, but I, she was strong last year in Hawaii uh, when she got a bit of an at-bat, and also she showed some promise this preseason. Jacob's going to look into all of her Sabre metrics now and figure out exactly what <laughs> the bad bip was. What's the war? What's, what, what's her ex-woba? We're going to figure out if she really is a good hitter. Sorry for all the uh, non-baseball people I am not there. getting any of this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and as Rain canceled the second half of the doubleheader, Game 2 was the next day and saw rookie pitcher Megan Hendrickson have a huge impact. She went the full game on her first-ever conference outing, giving up just one run on three hits, and two walks, striking out five. The Birds' offense was strong as well, racking up five runs and ten hits for the game after giving up the opening run in the second inning. UBC answered back with four of their own on a str- on a string of hits from Kempel, Emily Trapita. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm actually nervous now. Trapita. Trapita. See, my Indian accent would be Chorpita, but forget it. <laughs> Trapita and Hannah Hansen. They later tacked on one more run in the fifth inning to seal the deal. And Game 3 showcased some solid defense by both teams in the first two innings as the two teams combined for just one base runner. But in the third and fourth innings, UBC fell asleep on defense, giving up seven hits along with three errors, which allowed eight runs to cross the plate over the two innings. Yeah, they did wake up a little bit after that, generated some offense through Torpeda, Avery Hilpert, and Olivia Malescu all having multi-hit games, but ultimately they couldn't quite fight back, losing 10-8, to but... On the bright side, despite the loss in Game 3, they did leave the weekend with their first conference series win of the season. And the Thunderbirds will head out early Thursday morning for a long road trip to La Grande, Oregon, where they will face Eastern Oregon for three conference games and one non-conference game. Now, before I look ahead at the schedule, I feel like this is the best time to ask. So, Claire, what I've wondered the entire time when covering softball here at UBC if you have a four-game series, why do one of them not count in the conference standings? <laughs> um, I think it's to have a winner of the series. And also, I know that a lot of players don't get to play those three conference games because they do matter. So it's an opportunity for the first years, second years to get in a bit more playing time. So it's like a semi-exhibition game to end the weekend? I guess so. And like a lot of the times, honestly, the weather is so bad it doesn't get played. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it happened this past weekend. So I guess it's a good scheduling. Yeah, well, last year we went to... We played Carroll College, who's in Montana, and it was this their senior weekend, and those were their first home games all season because the, the field was so bad that you couldn't play before then. <laughs> That's tough. Uh, looking ahead to this weekend, not actually a ton. We got the Men's Basketball National Championship Tournament starting on Friday. That'll go through Sunday, and as I mentioned, all the games, not just UBCs, will be available on the CBC Sports website or CBC Sports app. There's also that softball doubleheader Friday and Saturday against Eastern Oregon. Baseball has their four-game series against Corbin on the road, one game on Friday, two on Saturday, and then one more on Sunday. Then finally, softball right back in action again on Tuesday at home against Northwest University from Washington. And that's all the sports coming up. Quite a bit of a change compared to the last few weeks. And uh, one final note was that Keelan Filowich was named the Canada West Women's Basketball Player of the Year. Beast mode. 
Do we have final stats on her? I mean, it was around she was, she was 17, 18 double, double. points, 12 rebounds, something like uh, that. If I, if I remember correctly, it was 19 points, around 10 and a half rebounds, Jeez. and also leading the conference in field goal percentage. Insane. So it was pretty It was pretty crazy. I mean, she basically picked up. Maddie had a tough year with injuries. Maddie Penn, that is, for the listeners, and she kind of picked it up for the team and led them to an incredible season, single-handedly. Yeah, yeah and given that Penn and Jessica Hansen are graduating, right. assuming Filowich comes back for her fifth year next year, they're going to need her to be just as good, if not better. And now before we head out, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, Jake's Guarantee of the Week. I think I'm a special one. 60% of the time, it works every time. So, last week, I guaranteed that the men's basketball team and men's volleyball team would both beat Alberta in the playoffs, um, while the men's basketball team <laughs> won the Canada throat. West Championship, the men's volleyball team was eliminated. Technically, men's volleyball did beat Alberta, hmm. but they only did it once, yeah, and I'm Alberta say, beat them twice. Uh, that's really pushing the envelope on what it means to win. <laughs> I don't okay. know, Jay. Well, I, it means I am now 2-4. and four. <laughs> the the road back to 500 continues and this weekend it's getting, it's getting harder <laughs> <laughs> this weekend of course i'm gonna look at the national championship tournament for our men's basketball team and i guarantee that the men's basketball team will go two and one at the national championship tournament and the loss happens i guess that would be in the f- Could that make it semis could happen at a couple different points. I'm not saying when exactly it happens. But. Well, no, it ha- oh, you, oh, like they might lose early and then end up winning like the consolation or whatever. I'm just saying they're going two and one. Okay. I don't, I don't know right. the situation. Okay. okay, okay, Jake, be vague so you can boost your terrible 250 record or 333 record, whatever it is. We understand. Let's also point out that in the intro we have a certain. Uh, audio clip that says 60% of the time it works every time. You're not, you're not even at 60% right now, Jake. <laughs> you got to step it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, do, I'm trying, okay? It's all right. I, at least your segment's better than Mike Trout updates. Um, and before we, we close things out here, we actually have a big announcement to make. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jake. Jake McGrail's birthday. Happy birthday to you. Jake is officially 21, everyone. Please send him beer from the U.S. or something. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, Jake, any fun? I'm going on the road trip with the softball team just to get that sweet, sweet American beer. (laughs) Fun plans for the birthday, Jake? Uh, I don't have a ton of plans tonight. I'm going to be hopefully watching the Raptors game. Hopefully they can Mm. uh, win tonight. Yes, your addiction. At least that's one right prediction. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, thank you all for tuning into Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. As always, besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up with UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories is going ahead and following us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. We have a recent interview up now. It was posted last week, I believe. Yeah, one week ago now with uh, Michaela Ogranichuk and Tori McLash to phenomenal athletes here at UBC, Nico Roselli and Jake McGrail helping lead that interview. Next up now on CITR is Flower Power Hour at 2. Look forward next week to another big interview with a couple Olympians. Yes, you heard that right. Folks, we got Olympians here at UBC. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jacob, Jake, Corey, Nico, Ryan, Alan, Byron, and Claire with contributions from Ben Nelson. Thank you for tuning in and have a great rest of your day. You all are awesome.